Hello and welcome everyone. Welcome back to now 52nd episode of the MCU Exchange. Sadly, Aaron can't join us this week, so I'll be your host, Joe. And with me is... Charles. I'm Charles and I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to talk about uh, the, the trailers that we have in the latest Falcon episode. It's going to be exciting. Uh, we have a lot to discuss, so let's jump right in. Uh, let's start off with the Disney Plus Loki trailer that dropped... Very suddenly, didn't it? Um, oh, uh, I don't know. It, came out. <laughs> it just came out of nowhere. We're like, ah, oh, Black Widow came out. Let's focus on that. All of a sudden, oh, hello, Loki. Um, what were your first thoughts of when you saw the trailer? Uh, are you excited even more after seeing it? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I, 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 I did such a huge 180 after fucking watching the first trailer from December. It's like, oh, my God. Like, I, I feel bad for uh, talk shitting, for talking bad about this. For over the past year, because I I was pretty much over Tom Hiddleston and Loki, like I, there was nothing about the the prospect of getting a Loki show that interested me. And when you see when you saw the first trailer, it's like man, I kind of want this over all the other shows. And this latest trailer only affirms that. There's so much good stuff here. It looks super trippy. It looks super cinematic. Um, we we, we also learned I think during. Uh, when this trailer came out, that um, Gugu's role is actually tied to Kang. So mm. th- clearly, this show is going to be one loaded one, w- one that's going to be loaded with a bunch of mysteries that I'm sure the internet is going to go crazy over. So we're going to have to brace ourselves for another sort of division theory scenario. But with a show that looks this good and looks this intriguing, man, I'm fucking excited. It's so crazy that we're only like, what, two months away from it? Yeah, it's 11th of June, if I have it correctly in front of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to build up to Black Widow, which is now in July as well. So we still have some ties. We have some Star Wars action in between Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki. So it's it's going to be interesting. And I can't wait to see if they get really creative with the advertising um, as we get close to it. What's interesting about this trailer is that... I, f- I forgot where, when they talked about it, but they talked about this show being sort of like a... Like a crime thriller, like they're yeah. investigating someone and something. It feels like it feels very like a movie. It, it feels like like Seven. Have you seen Seven? Where they? Oh yes, great movie. It, it has a vibe like this. You see Tom Hiddleston walking slowly in the corridor with a knife. It's very ominous, and and it's so weird because that kind of tone feels super grounded, but this show is far from grounded at all because. Loki travels to Pompeii. He takes a selfie while the volcano is erupting. He goes through so many things here. And the fact that it has that bit of a grounded sort of mystery thriller tone to it is such a weird, I guess, dichotomy, which, I, which again, blows me away. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, like, the concept alone of this time variance authority pretty much able to go whenever, wherever, just opens up so many possibilities. And this, like, mystery thriller aspect... Uh, really, really blunts. Well, I, you know, I never thought I would think Owen Wilson in the MCU would be as great as he is in these trailers. And we only got a little bit of them. Yeah, they look like, you know, really good friends here. Like, it's, it, yeah. it definitely has a bit of that buddy cop vibe where, you know, they hate each other, but they got to work with, with each other. One is funny. One is, like, super serious, which is Tom Hilson. And it just looks fucking great. I, I am curious, though, because we learned in this episode that there, there's a Loki variant. They specifically refer to Loki as a variant, meaning 
you know, it's an implication that there are more of them out there. Like, if Loki got apprehended by the TVA, you'd think that Captain America, during his uh, return to... to when, he, when he was returning all those stones, you'd think that they would have come across him. So I, I wonder if they're going to be like, oh, you, you're a Loki variant. There's also Steve Rogers variant out there who's trying to fuck up the the timeline. So... I know it's like a, it's, it feels like it, it's a neat opportunity for a crazy fun Easter egg. Yeah, definitely. I would love to see like in the background different versions of characters running around. I still, I still would love to have a John Krasinski cameo as he was almost Captain America. Just he's the oh, yeah. variant in the background. <laughs> it seems like a fun idea, I, but but I, I love the Loki trailer and I, I can't wait. Yeah, like here's a fun thought. Do you think they'll accidentally get John Walker thinking he's a variant? <laughs> and just kick him right back out? <laughs> I mean, after what happened this episode, which we're going to talk about later, I'm any any sort of way to fuck John Walker's mind up, I'm game. <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. Yeah. No, it's, it's an exciting-looking trailer, and I love how different it is from the rest. Uh, before the show, we said, uh, you know, we talked about how it's, it's kind of, of a perfect blending of Falcon the Winter Soldier and WandaVision's more craziness, but it feels a bit more grounded in the MCU. I think WandaVision was really a, it felt like an experiment in, in many ways. And I think Loki is kind of the result of learning from that show and how to bring everything perfectly together. So yeah. it's going to be really, really exciting. But that wasn't the only trailer we got. We had Black Widow made a big return, um, heading to Disney Plus and in theaters in, in July. And to kind of cap it off, we got a, an amazing-looking new trailer. Uh, what were your thoughts on it? Did, were you surprised about how much new footage is in it? Yeah, like that scene where Taskmaster is uh, gliding through the air and she, he's chasing Natasha and he does that thing with the sword. That looked pretty cool. Obviously, I think everyone's takeaway here is the music. The yeah. music, how they did like a spin on the Avengers theme, that was, you know, anytime you hear the Avengers theme, you, you get chills. And especially when they do new and interesting things with it it you know it's just like oh man that's that's pretty rad and overall i think as far as giving us a new trailer to get us excited it works um this trailer certainly isn't for people like you and me because yeah. i feel like you know i, I don't want to see any new stuff here at this point i just want to see the movie i am sort of irked that they moved it to july but you know we talked about it before that you know they just don't yeah. have enough time to market it the way they want to so here we are, but it looks good so far. Uh, I, I like I'm seeing a lot of theories, even from our own team, that you know Taskmaster, the shot of Taskmaster in the in, in, in the trailer where it looks like a girl is behind the mask. I thought yeah. that was very interesting. I wonder if that's the case here. And I think this is also the first time we saw Ray Winstone's character. Is it? Yeah, it is the first time we saw. Him. Yeah. So. Overall, looks good. I like the moment here too, where David Harbor is talking about uh, a, a young version of David Harbor is like talking to the Black Widows, and he's like, "My girls are the strongest." And then you cut to his biceps. I feel like that was <laughs> deliberate. Like he calls his, like he loves his girls. He's actually like, I guess, babies in the uh, red room, but he also calls his biceps as girls. So I, I thought that was pretty. That was a very tongue-in-cheek sort of uh, reference to how crazy his character is, and you know, mm -hmm. looks great. I, I'm really curious about David Harbour's role in this because I think the trailer kind of implied that they did play house for a while uh, uh, because the line from Yelena is, it was real to me. 
So the whole parallels of them being like a family with a mother and father and them being sisters kind of hits a bit different now with that kind of tagline, which I'm kind of sad they put in the trailer. I think that should have been something we didn't see. Though uh, <laughs> Scarlett Johansson, a young actress playing young Scarlett Johansson with blue hair was not what I expected in a Black Widow trailer. <laughs> yeah, is, isn't that, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Mia Yo. Uh, Yovich, Yovich, yeah, Yovich, that's her kid, her right? Daughter, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's that was pretty cool to, to see. I, 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 like, yeah, I certainly wasn't expecting the blue hair. You think that they would make that hair red just so? Oh, that's her, because the blue is such a startling. You know, like, I, I, like yeah. I had to, like I, I had to like sort of pause for a while. Is that, is that Natasha? It's because the blue hair. But I guess even from a young age, Natasha loved playing with her hair. Without changing it, changing the color and whatnot. So I guess it kind of fits, but overall, I'm just excited to finally see this at this point. Like, I'm, I'm kind of good if we didn't get any marketing thing anymore, at least for me. I mean, I'm, I'm probably not, just not going to look at the TV spots and whatnot, but yeah, they're probably going to add some more stuff. It's kind of the true drawback of the pandemic is that all the marketing they did, they have to stock on top of because they can't just reuse it 100%. Yeah. Which it sucks. It, it sucks really in, in many ways. But there was a report from um, the numbers where they state that Black Widow postponing it into July pretty much tripled their box office potential. So, you know, yeah. it, it may have paid off. You know, it will pay off for them in some way. Like, in what way does it triple it? Uh, so, the. So what they're going by is the parameters is that right now our only benchmark is Godzilla versus Kong, which broke, I think, 45, uh, 45 million, which was actually on par with King of Monsters in 2019. And so it's kind of this return to normalcy. And by summer, uh, or at least by June or July, it's a prediction that's at least in the United States and in most international countries, the uh, vaccine will be spread far enough that people can go back to cinemas sort of our hunch that as, as, as to why they were I guess stalling this yeah. uh, why they wanted that extra two months to sort of uh, wait and the vaccine sort of is is at the center of that that they want people to take more vaccine because I guess they want to make the most out of this uh, this movie yeah definitely and yeah. you know at the same time it's 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 a smart strategy I mean it sucks it's been over a year and the film pretty much has been done for who no, God knows how long and it postponed Shang-Chi. I'm just happy it did not postpone Eternals. Because that was yeah. my fear, that everything was going to be shoved back again. But obviously, they don't want to do that no more. Yeah. So that was a great... Uh, but it's, it's a great trailer. Uh, I'm surprised about the new footage. Uh, it's going to be exciting to see how they approach it. I'm curious if we get brand new posters as well, because we did get the one for the new release date. Uh, one thing about the song, I think, uh, which is a cool reference, is, is that uh, that's a Russian orchestra singing at the end. So that's a nice little... Yes, I, I sort of picked up on that, but I do wonder what they're singing, though, at the end. What are they humming? That, that's a good question. Uh, uh, if anyone knows it, uh, drop a comment, uh, tweet at us. Maybe we'll, we'll find out what the secret is. I hope it's not a spoiler, it's just hidden in plain sight. Yeah, what, if <laughs> Any... like, what if it's like, uh, what's his name? Um... Who's a uh, who's a uh, OT Fagbenley playing here? Oh, uh, I don't think Mason. Yeah, Mason. That was it. What if it's like Mason is Taskmaster? What if that's a chant? <laughs> All the Russian viewers are like, "What? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Mason is Taskmaster." Uh, 
we also have a little bit of news, which is really interesting, is that uh, some... So, as we talked about Shang-Chi, most of our understanding of Eternals and Shang-Chi comes in the form of toys and Marvel Legend figurines, which, you know, is kind of probably a drawback of the pandemic and everything was prepared for its official original release. Um, the big reveal was that we got a first look at Shang-Chi's costume and Wenwu, a.k.a. the Mandarin, which gave us a very close look at the Ten Rings. But they're not the rings we're used to from the comics. They're not on his hands, but actually on his arm. Uh, what, what did you think about that? I thought it's cool. It, it's a very um, nice reimagination of the, the, the classic rings on his fingers in the, in the comics. I do feel like this is a deliberate choice to maybe stay away from... You know, something that might be similar to the gauntlet where, you know, you got a bunch of stuff in your hand yeah. that you know, manipulates stuff. Each each thing has their own power. And the fact that they're on his wrists is super cool. If I'm not mistaken, you know, a lot of, you know, traditional Chinese martial artists have that. If you've seen Kung Fu Hustle, one of the one of the fighters there has that ring on his uh, the iron rings on his on his forearm. I don't, I don't know what they're called. So if someone could sort of educate us on that, please do. But I think it's a nice reimagining of the, the rings. Though I do wonder, though, because they seem like normal iron rings. Mm. They don't seem to be at least powered in the way they were in the comics. So I wonder if they're powered at all, or maybe, maybe it's a thing where when you have all ten, you get you know you you get powered up as opposed to you know each ring giving you an individual ability. Who knows what's there, but. That's what I'm most curious about currently. Just seeing this design, I like it. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm I'm with you on that. I think the design is very creative. I mean, in some way, if he had actual rings, he could do a lot of damage in a fist fight. <laughs> it would hurt. Yeah. But it's it's I like so especially Shang Chi's costume. It, it's not you know a one to one adaptation from the comics, but rather it feels like taking key elements from the comics and adding. Chinese uh, traditions to it, yeah. which I think is is a fantastic route to take, and I'm very excited to see how much uh, you know Chinese influence is in this film that really makes it stand out. We also had that that critter that was revealed in that Lego leak, which seemed to be based on a Chinese myth. So that's I I'm really for it, and I think the rings were also made in a way so that combat isn't as you know just that. It's a combat focus. I'm really hoping for some tributes to like Jet Li action films or or even better Jackie Chan. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Do you have any? What What are your hopes for for the the this, uh, film? Well, I want good fight scenes. I feel like yeah. you know we're, we're going to see Mortal Kombat real soon. We're going to see what that's like. But like for me, this is kind of like the MCU's own version of Mortal Kombat. As mm. far as you know, it has a tournament. It has a you know. All this magic stuff happening in the tournament. I just wanted to sort of have that spirit of, oh shit, this is fucking badass. I wanna, I wanna see, I wanna have that feeling that I'm that I that I get when I play Mortal Kombat, watching Shang Chi. Yeah, uh, absolutely same. I I'm really hoping for one shots. I I hope action sequences oh. aren't cut heavily. I would love to see some nice long shots for action sequences that. It doesn't have to be like like Jackie Chan because he, you know, they have to practice those things over and over and over again. But at least, you know, go away from the Hollywood convention of constantly cutting in between fight sequences. Mm, yeah, so yeah. That, that's my big hope for it. Yeah. It's, it's, 
it's going to be interesting. And uh, I, I think there, we're going to see a lot of unique takes. And I hope that it kind of kicks off to explore more cultures. Because a lot of our heroes have been very, very American <laughs> up till now. So, um, yeah, with that, uh, let's jump right into speaking of American and f foreign countries. Let's <laughs> jump in right into the latest episode of Falcon the Winter Soldier. The fourth episode uh, was quite an interesting one. Uh, I think, how about we jump right into the big reveal, or actually twist, or events that happen at the end. Did you see it coming? Did, did you expect it to be as graphic as it was between John Walker and the Flag Smasher? I, I knew this was coming because, you know, we heard about the, the, the set video of him destroying a dude. I didn't watch that specific set video, so I didn't know how, just how brutal this this, this was going to be i just know that he just destroyed someone but just seeing him just you know like like i said mortal Kombat, he just basically fatalities someone with yeah. the shield and broad daylight but people are you know are, are, are filming it for world star it's like holy shit it's it, it's a point of no return for john walker and yeah. I, don't, I feel like this episode is you, you only have six episodes here and Part of me feels like, you know, oh man, I kind of wish we got to see a bit more of John Walker as Captain America before he has to surrender his shield. Because you know, after this, he's not gonna, like, it's, they're, not, they're probably not gonna let him keep the shield anymore. So he was what, Captain America for a month? Probably, yeah. <laughs> I kind of wish that lasted for at least six months <laughs> before yeah. they took it away from him, but. You know, it's the nature of these shows. It totally, you know, these, these are the compromises you have to make. So I guess I don't mind. But that that whole exchange, seeing Lamar, I guess, die. Like, I like I gotta admit, I hated Lamar in the second episode. But seeing him act, act as the, the voice of reason for John Walker, sort of uh, keeping him in tow, making sure he doesn't go crazy. Being, I guess, his moral compass. Seeing him, I guess, die is kind of like, man, that's that kind of sucks. And now that he's gone, I, you know, John Walker going apeshit is kind of justified because he uh -huh. this is his best friend. Like I said, his moral compass. Now that's gone, you're all fucked. Yeah, it's 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 kind of an interesting twist, especially because um, while it is also kind of inspired by comics, he's using a shield as an offensive weapon. Like, you know, throwing it as a Frisbee is one thing, but he's literally trying to stab or decapitate. We don't know, but he probably decapitated the dude oh, yeah. <laughs> with that shield. Giving, and, he was giving Wilson Fisk a run for his money. Yeah, he really was. And we have to say, hey, Disney Plus show, they have some brutal moments, but I think this is the most blood we've seen in a, in a Marvel and Disney Plus film or series at all. I think the, uh, interesting enough, I think the most brutal scene was last, Episode where Bucky just impaled that person with a pole. Oh yeah, because they <laughs> because they showed this the the lady getting impaled. It wasn't implied. It True. wasn't as yeah. wasn't as bloody, but they showed the actual. They, they fucking impaled the lady, and they actually showed it here. The the go the, the 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 violence is implied, though the blood can be seen. Yeah, it's it's an interesting. It's, yeah, actually. I, I kind of, to be honest, the thing that makes the pipe scene a little less brutal for me is it always reminds me of that um, 
I th- what was the film with Arnold Schwarzenegger where with his friend he says pipe down Bennett <laughs> where he just throws the thing that's the first thing I thought when I saw that and I was like take it as serious <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting that like if you think about WandaVision which was yeah it, it kind of wore its inspiration on its sleeves to a fault at some degree but it was it wasn't as brutal because it was mostly just you know f- throwing fireballs at each other uh, and and you know a robot hitting, but that had bru- like very absurd like uh, scenes like with uh, like Vision completely broken apart, the zombie Vision scene. So it, it you know you thought oh, okay they can get away with it because he's a robot or a synthesoid, but this episode they're like oh no we're gonna show this, which gives me a little hope for Moon Knight actually, because I was worried that Moon Knight might get little cut down on his brutality, which he's known for. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is um. The clearest indication of how dark these D plus shows are willing to go, yeah. And uh, even just not on a visual level, that image of you know that clearly that image of him with the shield with the with the bloody shield is super, almost traumatizing. But even thematically, it's dark. Oh yeah. Like the way Walker just even stares at the body, just looks at everyone. He kind of. I mean, I gotta watch it again, but he kind of. He's. Like it kind of looks like he's glad that he did what he did. Like fuck you, that yeah. that 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 should show the entire world not to fuck with me. But also, it's, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. It's a perfect arc for him. It it fits the whole. Like he got his ass beat by the Dora Milaje, <laughs> and, and and his little his first reaction is they're not even super soldiers. It was like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that scene where he gets beat up by the Dora is super fucking great. Like any, I was I was cheering during that moment as like you know yeah serves you bitch, get beat up by fucking Dora by the Dora Milaje who aren't even super soldiers, and I like that John Walker calls attention to that like they weren't even powered. Yeah, I love that. It was great, and it it is also the thing is what I the episode's very intimate. Um, it's you know there's not a lot of new places. There's it's, it's not a lot of traveling. They kind of reset a lot throughout the episode by going back to Zemo's apartment, but it it makes the events I personally feel a bit more intimate. That makes these these happenings stand out much stronger than they would probably in a film. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm sort of mixed on that. I mean, we talked mm-hmm. about it in, the, in our group chat. That was sort of like yeah. Not that I don't I don't have a problem with it being intimate. It's just, you know, it feels like it just takes place in one building. And then, like you said, them resetting and going back to Zemo. I think they went back to Zemo's apartment for like three times. Yeah. And the urgency of what they were doing just, just kind of like goes away. And again, it's, it's the nature of these shows. It's, you know, you got six episodes. The story has to be here. And they can't just, you know, move forward. Because when you're watching a movie, first act, second act, third act, they got to move, like, at least to five places. Yeah. And here, you're just sort of in one episode. Like, they're in Latvia. They can't go to... They fucking can't go, they can't go to Budapest, like, in the, the next scene and whatnot. So they have to just sort of stay in the same place. Which I get, but, you know, just the set. Like, I honestly couldn't tell the difference of the courtyard they were in where Zemo gives the kids candy... And where they um, squared off with Carly, I cannot tell the difference between the the set where um, Lamar dies and where the funeral takes place. It kind of looks the same. I mean, it probably was the case. They probably filmed there and just uh, dressed the scene differently. 
but it is sort of a thing where it kind of, you know when I was watching it, I was kind of like, ah, it feels kind of small. You know, we're supp- we're supposed to be abroad. We're in Latvia. I've never been to Latvia. I feel like they could have at least set set it in different places in Latvia because we saw the the flag smashers. I think hanging in the forest. They're in a courtyard. Yeah. I feel like they could have done that. They could have, you know, I feel like the the what were these the the refugee camp, quote unquote, could have been someplace else outside of the city, and maybe they had to like go through a highway or some shit just so they're it doesn't take place in one alleyway. That's my that's my biggest nitpick of the episode, which is saying something because I usually have bigger nitpicks than this. Overall, I think this episode is really good. So, not that, a, that not that big of a deal for me that it feels small. Mm. I, you know, the they filmed this in Prague, so they they turned Prague into Latvia, and to some degree, I think a lot of locations there do look similar. I've been there uh, personally. Mm. Uh, so that's that's kind of a drawback in in European some European countries the architecture is very similar in certain areas, and I do think they could have expanded it like a forest location or something like that, but I think what restricted them was the strong focus on getting that final shot to be in public. So I don't I think that's yeah. why they kind of restricted themselves to where they go because it it is kind of a, a police brutality echoing especially with the United States acting outside of their own country in a way. Which is is interesting. It's really, really interesting. Um, and I, I'm just thinking about this. It also calls back to the whole, you know, where he tells the Dora Milaje they have no jurisdiction there. Which, you know, how would he have it? It's not. It's not America. It's 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 freaking Europe. Right. <laughs> so it's there's a nice there's a lot of good parallels they're trying to work on. I feel like that trying to keep that in case we don't know how much of this was filmed post COVID, which could also kind of restrict how many locations they can shoot. Um, because Europe was hit pretty hard as well. So that could have also been a factor. And I, th- I think that's just like a general issue. We saw also with WandaVision where a lot of things had to be cut. Is that some aspects had to be tweaked in a way to still fit the narrative they were going for. But under the restrictions that were set with, well, you know, what happened throughout the last year. But it, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting way they built that up. I did like seeing Zemo in the bathrobe. <laughs> that was. <laughs> that was. They're nice. really going for that barren stuff, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I was like, mm, he's in a bathrobe and he looks kind of chubs. I was like, Zemo, <laughs> Zemo might have been uh, having too much Turkish delights. <laughs> I I love Zemo in this. He is a very different character from what we were introduced, and in Civil War, which we discussed last time. But I do kind of love the way he's playing yeah, this he's, character. He's so fun. I mean, the, yeah. the fact that. Like the fact that he's the only one who can actually get answers from kids, the fact that he like like think about this: Sam, Bucky, Walker, and Lamar go through all of the these things to sort of how are they gonna trap? How are they gonna entrap um, the Flag Smashers? Zemo just fucking walks up to Carly, just shoots her. Yeah, <laughs> and he, he's just and he destroys the serum in the process. That easy. Like, he, he didn't even need to sort of, you know, come up with this huge elaborate plan, although he's good at that. But the fact that, you know, fuck you, I'm just going to fucking walk up to her and I'm going to fucking shoot her and I'm going to step on all the vials. Fuck everyone else. I love that. Yeah, it's, but I think it's interesting uh, that he does hesitate for a second when he looks at the uh, vials. Like, the first one he does, it looks like he's thinking about something before he starts destroying them. Which echoes when he asked Sam if he would take it, where he didn't hesitate. 
I've seen that sort of interpretation of that scene, but for me, it's just like him sort of relishing in this. Maybe it's him just having an internal monologue saying, like, I can't believe there's still more of this shit out here. This is what this is what ruined the planet. And this is what's going to ruin the planet. So I'm gonna, you know, he has that moment of contemplation, like, holy shit, like, fuck this shit. I'm gonna destroy it right now. Uh, True, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, he does miss one. What? How do you think, what, what's your thoughts on the reveal that John Walker took the serum? How, how did you think that was handled? Like, it was, as, as far as being in the moment, like, he kicks, um, I don't know, was that, was that uh, Desmond Chayam? He, he kicks some... He kicks a flag smasher across the room and then he bends. Yeah. A pipe was like, oh shit, he had it. He he took it. And we have the same reaction as Sam. So yeah. I guess that's you know we're in his shoes in that moment where holy shit, he took it. Though I think I mentioned it's here or in the other the, the other slack, but I kind of wish we saw what that moment was like for him. Because mm. I feel like that could have been another one final moment of John Walker being human again. You know, all this time he's like, we gotta take this serum. We gotta fucking do this. We gotta do this for the job. I like to imagine that when he was about to take the serum, he hesitates a bit. Like, do I really yeah. want this? Is the job worth it? I've done so much bad shit. Is it still worth taking? Like, am I gonna lose myself in the process? I feel like a moment like that, even a moment of silence as he's about to take it, I feel like that would speak volume just as far as the human inside John Walker. I, I kind of wish we had that. Yeah. And because I also, didn't Carly say that when they took the serum, they, they got sick for like a couple of days? Yeah. So, you know, maybe John Walker just more primed for that. I don't know. But I feel like even the Winter Soldiers who took the serum in Civil War, they kind of got fucked up for a couple of days before the serum actually, you know, settled in their in their veins. Yeah. I mean, clearly they don't have time to do that. Clearly they just need John Walker to be powered in the next scene. But that's definitely the opportunity that I would have uh, I would have loved to see. I I agree and I think what would be powerful is that's how the next episode starts. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. No. To have that contrast between what he goes through the night when he takes it in contrast to the action he took. Oh the kind God. of showcase, yeah. I think that would be a great power move. I, I just got that. chills, yeah. But and it, I mean, speaking of opening scenes, I mean, we opened mm. we opened this episode with a scene that's sort of similar to that, a moment yeah. that we didn't get to see where Bucky, you know, oh my God, I think that might be my favorite moment of the episode where he's just crying of relief and uh, like he's finally, he's weeping because he's finally free. Yeah. And it was a powerful scene, yeah. Sebastian just plays it so well. You know, he's he's crying as as Ayo's just muttering all these uh, code words to him. He's, he's he's Bucky in that moment is, is fighting like he's fighting for his life to 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 fight against that programming, and it works. And when he when it finally works, it like he breaks down. Yeah. Like finally, for the first time in I don't know, like. 70, 80, 90 years, he's free. He can finally be himself again. I agree. It's it's amazing performance. Uh, I think that... I love that this elaborates on him self-freeing from the whole mind control wasn't just him in a tube being reprogrammed. That's what I'm really happy about. Because that's kind of what 
you know, the ending of Civil War implied when he was in Wakanda. This elaborates on that, that no, it was an actual healing process. This wasn't one day to the next he's healed. And yeah. I really like that. But it also makes the betrayal that a part of him is still programmed later on even hit, hit even harder when Io just takes off his arm with like three buttons. <laughs> that, was, that was so fucking crazy. He literally got disarmed. <laughs> and it, it's so funny because he it's played for laughs. Yeah. The, 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 the look Bucky gives Io and, you know, the fact that Sam asks him, do you even know that that could happen? He was like, no. So, you know, Wakanda clearly has a bunch of, you know, secrets up their sleeve as far as Bucky. Who no. knows? I mean, I, I don't want to I don't want to think of Wakanda as a very sinister country, but who knows what other failsafes they have against Bucky and against everyone else. Yeah, it it, it fits, you know, especially the door melange. It just fits them. They'll do anything to protect their country and their king. So it's it's perfectly in character for them to just kind of keep a fail. They're not, you know, every every good person has a dark side, and I think that's a big theme throughout the the series, which is why Bucky's kind of like a, a very strong focal point with him trying to overcome and the symbol of what Steve was, and the whole you know talk about how how many Steve Rogers are there really to be a super soldier and not fall into that kind of darker place. Which is, I, I think the parallels are just everywhere and extremely well handled and still true to how you would expect these characters to act in the universe. Do you think we're still going to see Zemo here? Because I feel like at this point, Zemo could be anywhere. And I mean, the story could go on without him at this point because yeah, they have all the, the pieces in place to move on for towards the penultimate episode. But do you think Zemo is still somewhere out there and he's going to show up in the next two episodes, you think? I think Zemo's going to show up again. And I think he's mm. going to be the reason that Isaiah Bradley gets pulled into the main plot. Wow. So you think Zemo's going to be like, i got to kill this dude. There's still one, there's still one, he wants, one of them out there. Yeah. Because he knows from the scientists that there was a test subject. And we know he's a guy who knows how to get his information. And I think whatever the ending of the show is, it's going to bring... Because Zemo wants to get rid of super soldiers. That's his main goal. And when, he, when we saw like Sam ask him, does that include Bucky? That, to some degree, his goal is to kind of bring them all together and get rid of them in one go. And I could see him be a reason to bring in Isaiah Bradley as well, who I hope whoops his ass. <laughs> I love Zemo, but man, I, I think Isaiah Bradley was teased and they, they have something set up with his character. And I hope, I really hope that leads to something. And I, I'll be honest, I think a bold move would to give him like a prequel series exploring his time because that that is just an amazing and important story to tell adapting the truth comic i honestly forgot that um sam asked zemo that mm. which i which i think is weird because why would you need to ask a bad guy that you just always gotta assume i feel like it, it probably wasn't intentional but that line to me speaks that i think zemo's growing on sam yeah and, and, and he's going. He fits in that group oddly, extremely well. Like it's a good yeah. trio. <laughs> I feel like also, you know, it's it's like asking a friend, "Would you hurt our friend?" It's it's it's, it's exactly the same thing. So I do wonder if Zemo's feelings for Bucky, or maybe even Sam in general, now that he's gotten to know them, mm. I wonder if it if it's changed because 
they kind of seem like good buds. Yeah. And he's he's not really threatening them. Like, he could. You know, we know how Zemo works. He's not scared of Bucky in any way. So oh, yeah. I, I could see him. Like, I think Zemo, as they set him up, would make for a very interesting anti-villain. You know, he's kind of on that degree of doing his own thing, um, which would be a perfect setup if they do a Thunderbolts or Dark Avengers or whatever kind of storyline that he's, like, teetering on that line that's still trying to do good because he learned from Sam. And I think the the moment with Sam was extremely well done, alone with the, you know, the quick reaction he would not take the serum and everything like that. You, you do get a feeling that Zemo respects Sam. And yeah. I think that's kind of why I think Zemo would be the one to tell him. I think you're the one who who taught us that maybe someone else should take the shield after all, or something like that. Yeah, which would be a powerful moment. I like it. I love it so far. I love, I love what they're doing with him. Even though I still have my qualms about him not being the same guy, but he's just yeah. such a fucking treat to watch on screen. We got the Zemo cut. <laughs> we got the Zemo cut too. I'm I'm, I'm, uh, kind of, I'm kind of bummed that because um, they you both did talk about how there was a shot of Sam and Bucky just staring at him. Mm. I wish that was there. Yeah, that would have been perfect. Yeah, but it was great. It was great. The Zemoka was so good. I I love that we got an hour version of it too. It's just like they didn't have to go that extra mile, but they did. It's it's a loop, but still, you know, I have to prepare it and everything. Mm. It reminds me of uh, did you see Detective Pikachu? Where they had a uh, Pikachu dancing like old '80s aerobics, and it was just a loop for like three hours or something. I remember <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah that, that's what it reminded me of. So it's it's a nice little Easter egg that I think is such a great move, and it it just shows that you know they're aware of what the memes are, and it's fascinating how each show can kind of develop its own long term discussion point. If it's uh, Agatha all along or, or Zemo's dancing, and it just shows the staying power from these shows and these small moments that really stand out in very, very good narrative structures. And I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier, its structure is very, like, it, it does talk about very important political things, but it's not in your face about it. We have the cameras of shooting Captain America, killing someone. We have, you know, it happened in the episode after they exited Isaiah Bradley's house. Like, they're subtle, but they're very relevant. And, and that's what really makes these shows so interesting. Yeah, I agree. Uh, any closing thoughts uh, on the episode on the latest one? Uh, no, I think it's. I think we've covered most of the mm. the talking points, all the good ones, Prague, everything else. I think we're good. It's going to be interesting how it all comes together. Two more episodes to go. Uh, technically, if this were a film, we've entered the third act now. So yeah. let's see how everything comes together with the Flag Smashers and their true end goal. It's going to be interesting. And with that, you know, we're ending the latest episode of MCU Exchange. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you're interested to listen to all our podcasts, we have 51 others. Check out our list on Spotify. Check us out on YouTube and anywhere we like listening to your favorite podcasts. Um, I'm your host, Joseph. I hope Aaron can join us next time again. Um, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, Charles, you'll find on Twitter, Alan. You can find me on Twitter at CFSBillionWeb. And you'll find me at that Bell, T-H-A-T-A-B-E-R-L. Uh, we can't wait for the, to discuss the next episode, and we'll see you till then. Bye. Till next time.